A successful retirement plan begins with assembling the right set of tools. Finding the proper ones for the job will allow you to drill down on your goals and nail down your future. Scott Searles, certified wealth strategist and owner of Skybox Financial Group, constructs retirement plans for clients every day and will share that knowledge and insight with you. It's time to open the retirement toolbox and get to work. Well, thanks for joining us for another edition of the Retirement Toolbox. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Scott Searles, financial advisor and president of Skybox Financial Group, serving you in the greater Cleveland area with an office in Bradenton, Florida as well. You can find us online by going to skyboxfinancialgroup.com. Scott has more than 20 years of experience in the financial planning world and brings that knowledge and expertise to the table each and every single time we have a conversation here on the podcast. And Scott, looking forward to another show with you today. I know you are enjoying a a little bit of a warm-up now and getting ready to bust out the shorts, right? That's right. You know, March and, you know, it's, uh, what do they say? In in like a lion, out like a lamb? Yeah, something like that. So, yeah, I'm excited because, you know, just done with winter. Time to move on to spring. And, uh, you know, I've had my trips down to Florida, you know, for business. Uh, but, uh, you know, and it, it's been quite uh, you know, warm when I go down there. But, you know, it's always, I like getting outside in the yard, doing stuff and, you know, looking forward to it. Me too. Uh, we want to spend a lot of time in the yard this spring and summer. We've been doing a lot of indoor projects the last two years. This year, we've said, is an outdoor year. We plan to do lots of stuff on the landscaping and just trying to get the yard in good shape and just want to really kind of you know beautify the outside and, and just get as much fresh air as possible. Just uh, does the soul good, I think, the more outdoor time you can get. We can't wait for screened-in porch time to come back. Oh, absolutely. You, you have to build a cabana out by your pool. Okay, we could do a we could do a cabana actually. Yeah, you're right. Um, we have lots of large umbrellas that we normally just kind of lay out, but they always get blown over in the wind and damaged and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it actually would be nice to just have a big old cabana that's more permanent back there. So, if I had a pool, I would build an outdoor kitchen by my pool. Yeah, that would be really nice to have. The grill is pretty close, so it's just like right there. So I can grill by the pool. Right. But I don't necessarily yeah. have all the other elements to go with it. I don't know. I could just imagine myself out there, you know, smoking a brisket on the Traeger right by oh, the man, pool. Oh, man, that sounds good. You know, it's just, I don't know. I just have that in my mind, that that thought. Would you build it so low that you could actually be in the pool while you're doing the grilling? That would be the ultimate, right? Now, that's a thought, too. That's a thought, <laughs> Like the too. swim-up bar, but you'd have the swim-up grill. Yeah, but you know, the, I, I imagine you would run into some difficulties getting your food back and forth. There could be some accidents. Yeah, you just have to eat it right there. Just yeah, or be careful with splashing. That's the problem. Well, my twelve-year-old would cannonball in, and you know, all <laughs> of a sudden, my 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 brisket would be the underwater. flame would always go out. You'd have a very chlorinated <laughs> brisket. Yeah. Yes, might be. Hey, that could be, end up being the secret recipe you know you add a little chlorine to the brisket and it becomes like your 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 family recipe the, the secret I, recipe i could go on the on the uh barbecue tour <laughs> that's and, right uh, get myself some trophies with my chlorine brisket what's the uh the the food network guy like a uh, guy fieri or whatever would come over and you know feature just ha- how, how does scott make this brisket so good he soaks it in the pool for a few minutes before finishing it on the grill that's how absolutely amazing amazing uh, fantastic. Well, I'm glad that you are uh, looking forward to maybe a little bit warmer times ahead. And uh, I know a lot of people are kind of ready to get out of winter and onto some brighter days. We've got some great things to talk about on today's program. A little bit later on, we're going to take a question from Robert. 
And uh, Robert is wondering about uh, maxing out Roth 401ks versus Roth IRAs and maybe which one is better to fund first. So that'll be right up your alley, right, Scott? Mm -hmm. Uh, Specialist at that. We're going to have our movie and TV show review. We are also going to talk about Disney movies on today's show. But first, I want to talk about alternative investments. Should we ignore them? Should we jump all over them? And what in the world are alternative investments? And I feel like because of the the GameStop stuff that was happening a couple of weeks ago, Scott, there was some in, renewed interest in learning about new things like short squeezes and what is shorting a stock. And, and then it mm-hmm. led to the rise of kind of some more conversations about some alternative investments out there that got a lot of people talking. So I thought it might be good to kind of talk about this class of investments that's described as alternative that many people find intriguing and explore whether there is ever a place for these investments in people's portfolios, especially through the lens of retirement planning, sure. and uh, maybe just cover some of the top ones that are out there and those kinds of things. So um, like with most things in the financial world, I'm sure the definition is somewhat subjective. How do you define alternative investments to your clients when they explore this topic? Well, so the way that we define alternative investments is is that you know you've always typically you hear of stocks bonds and cash uh in our portfolios we have an allocation to alternative investments and you know those can be real estate commodities bunch of different things and the big correlation that we use is that they don't correlate to normal asset classes. They don't, uh, they don't go lockstep with stocks. They don't go lockstep to bonds. They kind of beat to their own drummer. And that's where it becomes useful in a portfolio sometimes because you can add in that alternative sleeve and it provides maybe a little smoothing out of volatility, uh, maybe a little bit of boost of returns. Uh, so we define alternatives as being something that is non-correlated to your typical stocks, bonds, and cash. Uh, asset classes non-correlated to them meaning just not not connected to them or doesn't right, doesn't move like they move exactly exactly like for instance uh, you know gold you know which is a popular alternative asset class you know that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with what stocks are doing or bonds are doing it kind of you know goes off on its own and does its own little thing as far as movements all right, so move a little bit differently. Don't fall into the traditional categories. Um, are there some problems or concerns that these alternative investments sort of you know bring up with them? If, if they're not conventional, that must mean they come along with some some caveats and some uh, some other things to be thinking about. Yeah, that, that's a very good point because each one's a little bit different. But in a, some of the alternative investments, they're more risky and speculative. Uh, than you're going to have with your traditional asset classes. Liquidity is something that pops up a lot too. Some of the alternative asset classes, you can't just sell that same day and get your money. So there might be liquidity restrictions with some of the alternative investments. And some of them too aren't regulated by the SEC. So you don't have that, I guess, big father watching over your big brother, watching over you know, the securities to make sure they're doing all the right things. So, you know, those are the types of, I guess, pitfalls you should be uh, concerned with when you're looking at alternative investments. Well, that's a great way to uh, kind of look at things then. Is, uh, is there a way to then use alternative investments in somebody's portfolio as a way to achieve more diversification then? I mean, finding things that aren't necessarily correlated or tied to the market 
uh, or the traditional markets doesn't seem like a, a bad idea, at least in terms of that diversification element. No, it, we think that you should have an alternative uh, investments in you know in your port in almost everybody's portfolio, unless we're going super conservative, kind of money market alternative, very low risk type of portfolios. The majority of the portfolios we run are going to have those alternative uh, allocations in there because it does lower the volatility a little bit. Sometimes, for instance, when stocks are going down, we get a boost in the portfolio from our alternative sleeve. Uh, That alternative may be a a fund that shorts the market. So it goes down. Uh, When the stocks go down, the shorts go up. So it kind of works inverse. Uh, those are you know long short funds we utilize in there, or maybe gold that's more of a hedge of against inflation, or real estate also a hedge against inflation. Uh, so yeah, we include those in those portfolios, and they add tremendous value, lowering your overall risk and lowering your overall volatility of the portfolio. Well, I think this is uh, helpful to talk about alternative investments in general, but I'd love to look at some examples of alternative investments um, in a little bit more specifics, just to see mm-hmm. what what you can share with us about these things. Do you ever use these things in your clients' portfolios? Um, kind of your perspective on on these different elements. You mentioned a little bit gold and, and other precious metals, like maybe silver mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Why gold, first of all, and, and how does that compare to other precious metal investments? And what do you think about that as an alternative investment for potentially your clients? Well, you know, we utilize gold in a lot of portfolios. A lot of the mutual funds or ETFs you may buy probably have gold in them or silver or other precious metals. The reason why you buy gold is traditionally it's a flight to safety in a rising interest rate environment. It's kind of a hedge against inflation. So a lot of the times when you hear rumbling of inflation coming, uh, you're going to see the price of gold go up. The biggest problem about gold, silver, and precious metals is it's a little bit, well, it's definitely more speculative than buying a stock in a company. For this reason, and that when you go to buy shares of Apple, you can look at the the uh, balance sheet, at the books of Apple, find out how profitable they're at, finding out where they're getting their revenue from and and make projections going forward. With gold or or silver or precious metals, you can't do that. It's all speculative. It's all supply and demand. So if there's more demand for gold, the price is going to go up. You can't make the educated guess on the direction of gold like you can a company. And, And because of that, it's you know, a lot more speculative. So that's something you need to be aware of when you look at the precious metals and gold in particular. Yeah, that's a great point. So gold, silver, precious metals, a few tidbits on those. Then we get to uh, similar but not similar at all, still sort of in the uh, quote-unquote precious metals world, but now we're just digital, so it doesn't actually exist in physical real life. The old cryptocurrencies, and we've certainly Mm -hmm. heard a lot about Bitcoin over the last, well, several years, Scott, but even this year, Bitcoin's been in the news quite a lot. Hardly anyone can explain how it works, yet it has escalated in value in just unheard of amounts. What's the big deal with cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, and then apparently there's all these other digital currencies out there. Everyone's even talking about that uh, Dogecoin, which I I think it's how it's pronounced, which is just a joke, yet it has risen incredibly and skyrocketed in value all on on hype and, and really is a joke. I mean... How are you supposed to make heads or tails of that part of the investing world? Well, you know what? The cryptocurrencies, uh, they're fascinating and scary at the same time. Uh, because 
yeah, we've all seen Bitcoin, you know, just have a meteoric rise over the past, you know, several years. But the problem with, with Bitcoin is in any of these cryptocurrencies is it's not regulated by the SEC. I mean, these cryptocurrencies are all spread out over different computers and, and their, you know, algorithms that develop the price and you know, it's all supply and demand. If someone starts selling a bunch of Bitcoin, the price is going to drop and you could lose 50% in an hour, um, which for some people could be tons of money. So the cryptocurrencies are at the top of the speculation scale for sure, because they're not regulated and they're extreme volatility and extreme movements in them. And, you know, who's to say that at any point in time, they just don't shut it down. Boom, gone. We're shutting down Bitcoin done it's not regulated they could do that you know so the money you have invested in your bitcoin or in any of the cryptocurrencies you know, who's to say they can't shut it down or a hacker gets in there and adjusts the price and all of a sudden you're out tens of thousands of dollars so that's the scary part about it obviously you know there, there's people out there the conspiracy theories that theorists that th say you know what we're going to go to one global digital currency and you got to get on now and the dollar's going to disappear and we're going to all have bitcoins or you know altcoins or whatever one is out there you know if indeed that happens you know maybe having that cryptocurrency works out for you but you know that, that's a bit of a stretch there at least in my opinion yeah, absolutely. Um, I've tried to do a lot of research on cryptocurrencies and, and bitcoins and things like that just to try and have a little bit more background. And boy, it's still kind of dizzying trying to understand yeah. how it all works. Well, and, you know, I, I mean, I, I threw a few bucks in the bitcoin. You know, I for simply, it's, you know, I figure instead of taking a trip to Vegas, I'll just put some <laughs> money in the bitcoin. I mean, and, uh, you know, it's worked out well, but, you know, I, that's money I thoroughly expect that tomorrow I just lose. Right. I mean. <laughs> you're not, you're not, you're not counting. You're just going to let it ride for a little while. And then one day, if it's uh, perfect enough, you'll just say, okay, I'm going to get off this train. I didn't put all my Roth IRA in Bitcoin. Good point. Good point. Uh, interestingly, I'll share, I did, I did also invest in some uh, cryptocurrency recently just to be in the space, if you will, kind of just taking a flyer, not on Bitcoin particularly. I got in on a smaller, a smaller one that you know I hope will kind of rise just in general. Um, but in any event, not not much, just a little, just to have a little fun on the side and just be in the space. That's pretty much it. But for signing up, I was given five dollars in Bitcoin as part of signing up and you know starting the thing. So what that translated to was point zero zero zero. One 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 three one Bitcoin is how much Bitcoin I, I own. <laughs> so is that's what we got tenths, uh, hundredths, thousandths, and then what? Hundreds of thousandths. So I have a hundredth of a thousandth of a Bitcoin. Wow. So wow. I think I'll be a millionaire if Bitcoin rises uh, eight hundred million percent is what I wow. calculated it to. So we just need another eight hundred percent million percent increase, and we'll be in good shape. I think that Bitcoin started at like 61 cents or something. Uh, something crazy like that, yeah. And then, you know, went up to 50,000. I mean, I mean, if you were one of those first guys. Now, see, I, you know, the thing see, is the first is, guys were all buying pizzas with their Bitcoin, and now they're looking back going, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, why did I even spend that? Uh, that was but, an expensive pizza. <laughs> you, know, the, the, you know, the thing, too, is that, that, you know, if you've got hundreds of millions of dollars in Bitcoin, I mean, who's to say you can – 
you know, translate that into dollars all the time either. I mean, you know, who knows? It's kind of the Wild West. Yeah, definitely. And that's how some of these alternative investments go. Now, not all alternative investments are as Wild West as cryptocurrencies. So another thing that is considered an alternative investment, Scott, but much more widely accepted and popular would be real estate. We're all familiar with that category. And I'm sure you've got a lot of clients who are mm-hmm. in real estate. What's the conversation usually look like with that as an alternative investment for folks? Well, real estate is another real popular alternative asset class. We utilize it a lot uh, with our clients, not only in the portfolios where we'll have exposure to a real estate investment trust, where which is, which is really a stock, um, but also when you've got non-traded real estate, uh, like a non-traded REIT, and almost everybody, you know, a lot of people own their homes and you have real estate. You know, the thing about real estate is that it's a physical asset. You know, no matter what, you can't lose that physical asset. So it's not going to go to zero like a company could go bankrupt. So when you think of it like that, it's a little bit more secure. But at the same time, real estate does change in value and it has a tendency to uh, go up as interest rates or inflation goes up. Uh, so, you know, in an environment like today, where we're, we're looking at rising interest rates coming in the future and inflation coming in because the government's done a good job of printing a bunch of money lately, you know, real estate might very well be a very good investment. And there is a difference between buying the, the publicly traded REIT because that's going to move a lot the way stocks do. And real estate was actually, from a stock standpoint, was the worst performing sector last year. Uh, And that's because interest rates were dropping. Well, this year, if interest rates start going up, real estate very well could be one of the better sectors this coming year. The non-traded real estate, though, that does not, it's only valued once a year. And you know, it doesn't have anything to do with what the stock market's doing. It has to do with what the property is doing, the level of, you know, how much of it's leased out, interest rates, a lot of factors go in there to value what that non-traded REIT is for. But you also have, uh, you know, liquidity issues there. When you put money in a non-traded REIT, you can't just sell it tomorrow. They have quarterly liquidations, which they could turn off anytime they wanted to. Like, for instance, in the beginning of the year with the pandemic and coronavirus, a lot of these non-traded REITs closed redemptions for a while or cut their dividends because they wanted to hoard up cash. Uh, So that's something you need to be aware of when you invest in those types of investments. And it's not necessarily suitable for everybody. But generally, they do generate a nice maybe 5 to 7% income stream off of them. And uh, there's a tax advantage, too, because they depreciate the property off that interest. So real estate's something that's very common, and we utilize it in our, not only in our portfolios, uh, but also as investments outside the portfolios, too. We've all probably heard on the news or something like that, maybe once a month there's a report and you'll hear a buzzword of uh, commodities. All right, commodities are doing XYZ this month, and here's what's going on with commodities. So these are things, I guess, oil, grains, coffee, things like that. Is there anything that mm-hmm. the average investor needs to know about the commodity world? You know, we don't, we don't directly mess around a lot with commodities in our clients' accounts. It's speculative, just like the gold, silver, it's supply and demand. And, you know, if there's a, a deep freeze out down in Florida that kills the, a lot of the orange crop, you know, the price of oranges are going to go up. And a lot, 
a lot of these, you know, whether it's, it's oil, grains, coffee, oranges, whatever the case may be, uh, the prices for those that you buy in the grocery store or at the gas pump are set by those commodity prices on the indexes. So it's another type of alternative. We don't utilize a lot of that because gold and silver kind of fills that space for us, and it's much more widely traded and more recognized. So, But yeah, the commodities is another asset class. I remember, uh, what was it? Uh, oh, there was a movie, Trading Places, I think it was, with Eddie Murphy. Totally getting off track here. But uh, <laughs> where he was, I was just say, like it's a, not the end of the show yet, Scott. The, I know. The, the movie know, and TV references aren't. I late. know. <laughs> I know. But there, he was like like a homeless guy, and these super rich commodity brokers took him off the street. These two older guys, and they traded places for a day. And long story short, these guys ended up losing all of their money in the orange futures commodities market. So uh, I always, whenever you think commodities, for some reason, I always think of that movie. So That's funny. I've never seen the Trading Places. I've seen the cover of yes. it and heard the name of it before, but I've never watched it. So I'm going to have to pull that one up. Yeah, pull it up. It's not bad. Especially with, your, uh, with the orange reference for today. It's perfect. Yes. Uh, what about uh, SPACs? Uh, SPACs, mm-hmm. special purpose acquisition companies, hadn't really run across this until again just recently with all the GameStop, you know, bonanza that happened. Um, I started to hear this word and this term a little bit more. But is this basically just a company or an investment that's just specifically buys other companies or acquires other companies, and you can invest in those companies? Yeah, that's it. So a lot of these smaller companies, instead of going public with their own IPOs you put your money into the special purpose acquisition company and they go out and buy other companies with that money. It's certainly speculative. A lot of them require you to be, uh, not, require you to be accredited investors. So in other words, you have to have experience over a million dollars net worth to invest into some of these things. Um, but yeah, again, that's just another, it could work out extremely well if indeed you know, those companies that they acquire do well because you're buying them. They're not even public yet. If one day they go public and turn into the next Apple, you make a ton of money on that. But at the same time, it could go completely the opposite way, kind of like private equity, investing in private equity. The special purpose acquisition companies are very similar to kind of a private equity investment where you put money in, then in turn, they go and invest and buy in these companies before they're public. That word speculation pops up a lot in these alternative investment conversations. Not mm-hmm. all of them, uh, like with real estate, but certainly a lot of the other ones, um, this being another another one in that category. And then we have uh, maybe just uh, another one or two that we can mention here. Scott, private debt is becoming a little bit more of a thing or called direct lending in mm-hmm. some uh, circles, loaning money directly to uh, private companies any and uh, anybody that you know of who's who's kind of dabbling in that world and any benefits there? Yeah, and you know, there's actually products that you can get into, um, very similar, kind of like a non-traded REIT kind of product that will, you know, basically makes loans to commercial property. For instance, if someone wants to buy a twenty-five million dollar skyscraper in you know New York. And they go and they raise up a bunch of money uh, from their buddies and they get, you know, $5 million. They still need a $20 million loan for this this building. Sometimes, you know, the banks kind of tightened up 
after the financial crisis of 2008, and they weren't lending a lot of money. So that's when these started kind of popping up because then these private lenders would go in and provide that loan. Usually these loans are going to be tied to uh, adjustable rates. So maybe LIBOR plus a, a fixed percentage on top of it to protect the investors. And again, they're pretty consistent in their returns as long as people paying on those loans. And they, you know, they can be alternative to more conservative fixed income investments out there. All right. So any other alternatives you occasionally run into or that your clients ask about that we should uh, mention? Well, I think a couple that, uh, you know, I already mentioned one of them, private equity, uh, you know, where you can invest in, in small startup companies. Usually that's for people that are accredited investors, so people that are, uh, you know, have over a million dollars net worth. The other one is uh, hedge funds. You know, these are uh, a lot, people invest mostly in accredited investors, but these are basically funds that go long and short the market. So they try to make money when the markets drop. They try to make money when the markets go up. And you you mentioned that GameStop thing earlier. That you know what those GameStop that was Reddit all about the hedge fund stuff, right? It was. It was because the hedge funds were short GameStop saying, Hey, you know what? We think GameStop is gonna go down. And then these guys got on their little computer Reddit bulletin board and said, Hey, let's get together. A lot of people are short GameStop and they started buying GameStop and driving the price of GameStop up and those hedge funds got squeezed out of it because you know, when you short a stock, you eventually need to buy that stock back to pay back your short. And now all of a sudden, these hedge funds found themselves buying back GameStop at a huge price, and they were losing tons of money. So uh, very speculative, and that would be another uh, common alternative investment. So moral of the story here, it doesn't sound like any of these, other than maybe some gold and some real estate, is something that you're really recommending and working with clients directly on a on a regular basis, at least not as part of their central part of their portfolio. Well, I mean, well, you know, if anything, you want to have a smaller percentage in there. You, you okay. know, five or ten percent of your overall portfolio having a type of exposure to these types of things because uh, they do add value, they do add that diversification, lower your volatility. But at the same time, a lot of them are speculative or going to have liquidity issues or regulation issues that you don't, you know, most of my clients, you know, we're getting ready for retirement. We're in retirement and we're done taking those, those risks too. If you're, if you're 20 years old and you put a grand into Bitcoin, hey, you know, more power to you. But that doesn't necessarily have a position in, uh, in your 401k portfolio. Mm, that's a very good point. Well, if you have any questions about these alternative investments and what's right for you, how does it fit into your financial plan, um, if you have any of those kinds of questions, please reach out to Scott and have a conversation about it and, uh, and about your, your overall financial and retirement situation as well. 888-742-0111 is the number to call, 888-742-0111. You can also go to talktoscott.com and schedule a time to meet with Scott there. And you can uh, find all of that contact information in the description of today's show. So check it there for ease of use. It's getting to know you time. Well, it's time to get to know Scott a little bit better on today's show. A little question for you this week, Scott, from the world of uh, Disney, if you will. Um, What type of bird 
land animal and sea creature would you be if life were a Disney movie and you could turn into them? <laughs> wow. We were really wow. digging deep into the uh, bank of questions this week. Well, well having, having four daughters, I've watched a bunch of Disney movies. And if I were to say I would pick the character I would be of all those Disney movies, I think I'd have to go old school. <laughs> and I'll have to go with Goofy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Goofy's always good job. Kind of, you did well yeah. with that. That's <laughs> I know that took a lot of guts to try and do yeah. the Goofy impression. Well, hey, you know what? You know, by this time, who knows how many listeners have stuck around to the podcast? <laughs> but, uh, you're you're. <laughs> <laughs> You're hedging your bets. <laughs> I know. No, but I always like Goofy. He was just like a good old happy, fun-loving guy, always getting into trouble and always had good intentions. And, uh, yeah, I, I was always a fan of Goofy. Nice. He um, actually, I know I'm jumping the gun because this is a TV reference, but he has a little show on, I think it's on, I think it's on Disney, um, where it's about, uh, it's about dogs. And uh, each show, they just kind of explore like it's kind of it's meant more for kids, but it's got some interesting stuff like they there's one episode about like, uh, I don't know, the life of a of a dog that sniffs out diseases and bees. And so it's a bee a beekeeping dog. And so the story is all about, you know, he just goes out and interviews the lady who takes care of these dogs and talks about how to train them Mm -hmm. and things like that. And so each episode's a story about two or three dogs kind of just, you know, following their interesting lives and he's it's the guy in in real life but who is the voice of goofy and he pulls out the voice a, a little bit in each episode he'll he'll pull it out so yeah uh, it's cool yeah it, it's I, worth a, it's worth a little watch since you're a goofy right. fan and and i know you like dogs so you know check it out a little pre tv movie review for you all right i like it go check it out I, th- I think it's just called dogs maybe 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 it's got a different name but maybe it's goofy dogs Maybe it's Goofy Dogs, but it's on Disney Plus. So you can just search dogs, and I'm sure it'll I'm sure it'll pop up there. Uh, very cool. I think I would be some sort of uh, bird. I just think flying would be pretty cool. So I don't know if any. The, di- I don't know if I can actually match that to a Disney character. Well, but. they got those two cans, those two two cans in that one Rio movie. I think it's okay. called. Okay, I don't think I've ever seen that one, but I know what you're talking about. I never actually yeah. saw the movie, but yeah, I'll be that. And then they or I'll the be bird. the flying carpet and from Aladdin. I'll be the carpet. I can just fly okay. around. Yeah, but then people step all over you. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm flying. They don't, have to, they don't have to step on me if I'm flying. True, true. Well, I guess they do kind of step on you to ride you, don't they? So Yeah, probably. Maybe that's not a good choice. I'll go with the toucan then. We'll, we'll start okay. with the, the Rio bird. There we go. Uh, very funny. That's getting to know Scott a little bit better. Now time to get to know you with one of uh, our listener questions. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. And this week's question comes to us from Robert. Robert says, which is better, Scott, to max out your Roth 401k or your Roth IRA? I'm in my mid-30s and already getting the 401k match from my employer and then adding an additional 5% on that in the Roth 401k. Should I put the remainder of my retirement savings into a Roth IRA or move toward that Roth 401k? I probably can't max out both, so should I just do one more than the other, or a little bit in each, and does this even make a difference? Well, Robert, I would like to congratulate you on making your Roth 401k contributions. If if anybody, and if this is the first time listening to this show, 
I am a huge fan of Roth IRAs and Roth 401ks and, and trying to get that tax-free growth because I think it's going to be very important for us in the future. But with that said, you know, it really doesn't matter if you do the Roth 401k or the Roth IRA, but there are higher contribution limits in the 401k plan. So you can put actually more money away. You're limited to $6,000 a year if you're under age 50 in the Roth. If you're over age 50, which I know you're not, Robert, you can put an extra grand in, you can put seven in. But in the, in the 401k plan, you've got a much, much higher limits. I think it's 19500 that you can put into there. So you know, that's one consideration. The other consideration is, depending on where your income is at, you, might not, you, know, you may be phased out of making regular Roth IRA contributions. So probably your easiest way to save money is just increase and put a little bit more into the Roth 401k at work. Because, I mean, it's easy. It comes right out of your paycheck. If you, if you increase it from 5 to 6 or 7%, it just comes right out and just kind of happens automatically. If you take that money and you put it you know, in the bank and then you got to deposit it into your Roth IRA, it's much harder for you to actually save the money. So you probably have a higher chance of not actually saving the money. So I, I would tell you, you know, go the path of least resistance and can, you know, contribute to the Roth 401k plan while you still can. Fantastic. Uh, great question, Robert. And again, congrats mm-hmm. on the good job saving so far. Hopefully that gives you some more direction and things to think about as you continue to save. Uh, if you have a question about your 401k or Roth IRA and those types of contributions, how it fits into your retirement plan, again, don't ever hesitate to reach out to Scott if you have any questions about those things. 888-742-0111 is the number to call. 888-742-0111 or go to skyboxfinancialgroup.com uh, to get more information as well. And you can also go to talktoscott.com to schedule a direct meeting with Scott one-on-one. And uh, you can find all that contact info. Just check the show notes section of whatever app you're using to listen to the show. And uh, you can find all that information that you need. Just sitting at home with nothing to do. All right, Scott, time for our TV and uh, movie review segment here on the show. What you got for us this week? Well, you know what? On Netflix, you know, anybody that's listening to the show knows that my wife and I like the true crime kind of stuff. You've been on a a true crime streak lately. uh, We have. And that's basically because my wife prefers it. I would rather watch action movies. But, you know, we've been doing a lot of the true crime stuff. And we're watching. We haven't finished it yet. It's called Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. Hadn't heard that one before. So we had listened to a podcast a while back, and I think it was maybe True Crime Garage or something where we're traveling to a lacrosse game in Columbus or something. We always listen to podcasts. And we had, I, I think this story was on that podcast. So we had, were familiar with it before, but basically the whole idea behind it is that this Canadian woman from Toronto came here to the United States, and she stayed in the Cecil Hotel in L.A., and the Cecil Hotel's in the middle, kind of like Skid Row, not a real nice area at all. But she ends up vanishing. And, you know, they have this elevator footage of her that's real weird. And she's acting almost like she's on drugs or something. And there's a lot of these very weird clues. 
I don't want to ruin the story for anybody that, you know, tell you how it kind of all ends. I'm not at the end of the story, but I know because of the podcast. So uh, check it out if you like that kind of stuff. It's a little kind of whodunit, real life. I think it's only like four episodes, uh, an hour long each, so like four hours. But uh, it's a good watch if you like those kind of things. Very cool. And, and Cecil Hotel, what, what was the full name of it one more time? Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. Huh, interesting. All right, adding it to the... I have a big list growing now of uh, of true crime shows to go watch to catch up on all your recommendations. So, Walter, you need to exercise less and watch more TV. That's right, there we go. That's right, the good good life advice. Uh, mine this month will be Your Honor is the name of the show. This is, I think it's it's either HBO or Showtime, I can't remember, one of the two. But it's got uh, Brian Cranston, the guy from Malcolm in the Middle oh, and yeah, then yeah. of uh, Breaking Bad fame. And he's been in a lot of stuff now recently since the Breaking Bad stuff. And he plays a judge. And the judge's – I don't think I'm going to spoil anything. Um, the judge's son uh, hits a, another kid with his car by accident. It's an accident. And the other kid is it dies. And the kid is the son – the kid that he kills is the son of the most famous mobster in town in the city mm. and so now you have the judge trying to is he going to do the right thing is the kid going to do the right thing and turn himself in about this accident but now they're worried about retribution from the mob family from the crime family mm. and so it's it's apparently it was just billed as a limited series so it was just going to be 10 episodes and that's it but they definitely wrap up the season with so much going on they could easily do another season i don't think anything's been determined yet but it is really good acting. Um, the Sun is probably the most annoying character of any show I've ever watched in my entire life. You're going to want to strangle the kid uh, the entire show. But Brian Cranston is really good in it. All the other action and actors and action in it are just really well done. Um, it's just like a, a big extended movie stretched out over 10 episodes. And uh, boy, but a lot happens and goes on. And it, I think you would really like it. So. Okay. If you've, if you've got that HBO Showtime, it's ten episodes, so it doesn't take too much effort to dive into it. It's not like you got six seasons to catch up on or something like that. Right. Uh, right. Check it out. Your Honor, uh, really, really good, and uh, it'll leave you kind of, kind of mouth agape at the end of it too. So, wow. All right. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like something we would like for sure. I think you would like it because it's got a little bit of that. Like, it's not true crime, but it's got that that element to it that I think you would really enjoy. Lots of uh, conundrums if you like kind of watching stuff that's like, oh, man, what, what would you do in this situation? If, my, if I was in this situation, what would I do? Or if my kid was or, you know, puts you, right. puts you into that mode where you're constantly having to try and like navigate that, that feeling. You know, and the good guy is really being bad and the bad guy is, well, still kind of being bad. But, you know, it's justified because this is happening. And eh, just very, lots, of, lots of moving parts. Very interesting. So. Fantastic. Big big recommend on that one. Definitely uh, an adult show. So just as usual, keep that in mind. So. <laughs> okay. But as most things in the HBO Showtime world are, as you can imagine. Yes. But there you go. All right. Another true crime show in your honor. Our recommendations or uh, suggestions to check out in the TV movie world. Scott, that'll wrap things up for this episode. Thank you so much for the, uh, the help and the guidance on those alternative investments. And if anybody has any questions, again, please feel free to reach out to Scott with those. And otherwise, enjoy the warm weather, and uh, we'll talk to you again on the next episode. Walter, the pleasure is always mine. <laughs> That's Scott Searles. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for taking the time to join us. We'll talk to you next time right back here on the Retirement Toolbox. <laughs> Go Tribe. <laughs>
investment advisory services provided by Skybox Asset Management, LLC.